This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. Elliot, our next guest, I don't remember him playing football because he played football, what, back in the late 50s, early 60s? Early 50s. Early 50s. Do you remember him? To be perfectly honest, no. I remember a fair number of players from the 50s, but uh, Jack Butler, when you told me we were going to have him on the show, I'm going, what sport was that? But when I went back to use Wikipedia and did some research. You look at his his numbers, pretty impressive. It didn't help, I mean, help too, basically, where he went to college, I think, because there was a little little Steeler connection there. Yeah, the, the Rooney family connection does help. And then he went and started a scouting service, and which basically was the pre-core to what's going on today. Yeah. Interesting career. Interesting interview. Let's get to an interview we taped with Jack Butler. I was at the induction ceremonies. It seemed like everybody was so happy that you got in this year. Oh, yeah, I was, especially. I don't know about the rest of you, but I was very happy. I thought it was a big honor, and, and I really enjoyed being there. I was there a Friday night at the Gold Jacket dinner, and it's amazing how many players that are in the Hall of Fame came back for it. Well, I think yeah, they're invited every year to come back, you know, and it gets to be like a club or something, and they get back and they probably only see each other maybe once a year, and that's a big time, and they have a good time at it. I plan on doing the same thing. Now, you're 84 years old. I have to think you're the oldest player to have been inducted. After such a long wait. To be quite truthful with you, I never even thought about it. I mean, I knew that it was down there and all that stuff, but, I mean, that was not one of my priorities. I, You know, I mean, it, it's an honor and it's a privilege and all that, but I just look at it that I was fortunate enough that I had the talent to play the game. And I enjoyed playing the game. I had a lot of fun. And, and it was just, it was great. And I, and the rest of it, it, uh, it was a bonus. It was like thrown in. I never thought about it. And, and that's all there was to it. I see you were born in Pittsburgh and then you went to St. Bonaventure for college in New York. And then you came back to Pittsburgh to play for the Steelers. You've never left Pennsylvania other than college, it looks like. Well, that's right. <laughs> well, I love the city of Pittsburgh. And I've been born and raised here, and like I went to St. Bonnie's, which is, it's only like a four-hour drive from Pittsburgh. And I uh, went up there, and I had a great time, and I moved back to the city, and I'm, and I'm, I plan on staying here the rest of my life. Now, you hadn't played football till you got to St. Bonaventure, is that correct? That is correct, yeah. I never, I never played high school football, no. I wasn't that big, you know? At that time, I was probably, I don't know. I was probably maybe five ten, five eleven, and probably you know like 160 pounds or whatever. I don't know, but you know, and I've and no, I went to St. Bonnie's. I think I was only like 17 or so, and in the meantime, I got to be six foot and 200 pounds, and uh, and when I went there, I happened to be put in a room with two other guys, and they were both scholarshiped football players. That's all they talked about. And they talked me into going out for football. So I went over with them, and, there were, and, the, and the man was handing the equipment out. The equipment manager handed out, and he had a tablet with everybody's name on it. And, and I'm behind these guys, and he, what's your name? I told him, and he looks on the list and said, you're not on this list. Hit the road, you know. 
so I left, and I happened to bump into Father Silas Rooney, who was the athletic director there. And he told me go back down the next day, and I went back down. The guy gave me a uniform, and that was the beginning of it all. In college, they had you playing offensive end, defensive end, and then I was everything. I, I I I had no position, you know. I never played the game before. When I went out, and they you know, they put you in a big long line. The scholarship football players, they knew who they were. Then there were a lot of walk-ons and things, and and I was like a walk-on, whatever you want to call it. And we're just standing in a long row, and he come along and asked you what you played. And the guy next to me <clears throat> was a was an offensive lineman, and he said, "Yeah, I'm an offensive lineman." And I'm next in line. He said, "What do you play?" And I wasn't. Well, I didn't know what I, I didn't ever play anything. So I told him I was an offensive lineman. And he looked at me and said, "You'll never make it." I'm like, you know, I'm probably about 170 pounds or something, you know. So, and I would just stood around for weeks and weeks. And a guy got hurt, and they called for a defensive back. Nobody went in. They called again and again. And so I finally walked over, and the guy said, I thought you were a lineman. I said, no, I'm a defensive back. And he said, get in there. And that was it. How tough was it? I, I tried to be other things. Well, you know, you just learned it. I, you know, you watch other people. How they, I remember when they passed out the uniforms. I didn't know how you, you know, you put the pads in, in inside the pants and everything. I never knew that. I had to watch them, and I did the same thing they, they did and put the pads on, and I, I never did it before, you know. I didn't know what they were, and it was, it was all it was a brand-new experience, you know, everything. And I just, just watched, and whatever they did, I did, you know. And when the guy wanted a defensive back, and nobody went out, and I finally went out, and I just watched the guy on the other side where he lined up. I lined across from him, and, and you know, you knew you had to chase the guy, cover a guy, I knew that much, you know. You just learned by watching and trying to do it. So did it help did it help that Dan Rooney, who was a priest at St. Bonaventure, got you a trial with the Steelers? Yes, that's true. When I went to St. Bonnie's, you know, I I was not drafted or anything and we're we weren't a big big school and all that stuff. And um, the man uh, I was graduated and I came home and I didn't know what I was gonna do. I was gonna go back to school. I was in graduate school my last semester, and I was going to go back and get my master's degree. And then during that summer, uh, from the, the Fran Fogarty, who was the general manager of the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, called me up and asked me to come downtown. And I went down and met him, and he asked me if I wanted to try out for the team. And I told him, yeah, fine, I'll, I'll try out, you know. So in his office, and he just put out a contract and said, sign it, you know. And I said, well, how much is it? how much would I make if I make the team? He said four thousand dollars. I said I'd like to make five thousand. He said sign the contract. <laughs> In other words, sign the contract or get the heck out. You know. So I signed a contract. <laughs> that was pretty decent money in those days, though. So. Oh yeah, I thought. You know, I made four thousand dollars. I'm twenty-one years old. I thought I, I thought I was making a, an awful lot of money. <laughs> and I had, you know, I, that was plenty of money then. I guess for a young guy, I still living at home. Had no expenses, nothing. Wow, I was, I was in good shape. What were the Steelers like back then? I mean, you didn't have a lot of stars in the roster. They were kind of a struggling franchise, right? 
Well, my first, we were still playing a single wing, and I didn't even know what it was. I'd never seen it before in my life. I'd never even heard of it. When I go to training camp, and they're lining up in an unbalanced line, and I'm looking at it, and I'm trying to figure, what is this thing, you know? And I'm I'm a receiver. I thought I was a receiver anyway. And they had me on the short side and would pull behind the line and trap and practice trapping and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, there's no way in the world I can make this team. You know, they're, they're, I'm not I'm not that big. You know, <clears throat> I go to Coach Michael Oson, who was the head coach at the time, and I said I'm quitting. That I I, I don't understand this. <laughs> This single wing, the, the, the formation, I don't understand it. I don't know how to play it. And I'm a wide receiver. I thought I was a receiver, and I'm going to go to Detroit. And I, I know I can – I think I can make the team there because one of my coaches in college is now a coach with the, with the Lions in Detroit. And he told me <clears throat> to come to Detroit that he thought I could make their ball club. So I tell Coach Michael Oson, I'm going to quit, and I'm going to go to Detroit <laughs> He said, you can't do anything until I cut you. You're on a contract. That's it. And you can't do a thing until I let you go. I said, well, when are you let me go? He said, I don't know. He said, just go out and do the best you can. I don't know. So I figured I'm, I'm not going to make it anyway. So I figured the hell with it. I'm all out, man. I'm trying. I'm hitting anything that moves. I'm doing everything. I made the damn team. <laughs> I never, I never thought I would. And we're, we're the single wing too, you know. And then he changed me over to a back, defensive back. What was that well, transition like? It was better than trying to be a, 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 an, a, an end on the single wing on the short side. I'm, and those other guys, those the other people, they were as big as the the, the tackles and things. They're big people, like you know. And I like to say I'm probably. Six foot, I was probably at that time maybe 190 pounds. And I'm not just, I'm, you know, anything was better. And he said, we, we were having, we were, in fact, it was the second game of the season. We were playing the 49ers, and it was at Forbes Field. And uh, the game was just in the first quarter. I don't know, it wasn't very old. I'm just sitting on the bench. I never got in a game like, and the guy's hurt. So the coach, Mike Lowe, said, Butler, you get in there, you know. So I, I go in, and at that time I was playing different things. I was he had me like defensive end. In fact, I was like the the third defensive end. They had Bill McPeak and uh, Chuck Mahalik, and I was like the third defensive end. And I played a little bit of defensive back during practice and things. <clears throat> so he says, "Get in there." So I go in. And I'm looking. I'm thinking, see, either Mahalik. Or Bill McPeak were hurt, and he was a defensive end. <clears throat> I looked down as Howard Hartley, and he's a defensive back. And I come back out, and I said, Coach, Howard Hartley's hurt. That's a de- defensive back. He said, I know who's hurt. You get in there. <laughs> and that, that was that's when I become a defensive back. And the 49ers had what? Why, why, they had what? Why Tittle, a quarterback, and McElhaney, Joe Perry. And they had, but they had some receivers that could run like heck, too. But I know one thing. Nobody got behind me in that game. I played so deep they couldn't get behind me. <laughs> they caught a bunch. They caught a bunch in front of me, but they didn't get behind me. <laughs> of course, that was the first time I was playing defensive back. <laughs> you know, now, they weren't going to score a touchdown on me. 
<laughs> oh, well. <clears throat> they were the good old days, so had, uh, I guess. So you had to learn to run backwards then, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You turn around sideways with them, like, you know? Okay. And it depends on how they lined up for their... Real close to the sideline, you'd play on the inside of them, and if they're further inside, you'd play on the outside of them, and you'd develop your own little, like, technique or however you want to call it, you know. How did you get so good at intercepting passes? Did you practice with your coaches, or is it just instinct? Well, I think it's, I think it's all instinct. You know, your game, I think that was probably one of my best assets where I, had, I thought I had pretty good instincts for the game or something. I don't know what it was, but I felt that way. I believed that way, and I could always catch the ball. I mean, I had when I was in school, I was a wide receiver at St. Bonnie's, and, and I, I, I thought I should have been a wide receiver, and I still thought I should have been a wide receiver. I could I could catch the ball, and, and but turned, everything turned out well, though, you know. It was, it, was, it was different. You know, being a defensive back was altogether different, you know. How did you end up at St. Bonaventure? I went. My father was friends with Mr. Rooney, the, the, that owned a, the Steel Ball Club. Mm-hmm. And I was I just finished high school. I was going to go to school, so I went down there and Doc Sutherland. And I get down to talk to him. The old Doc Sutherland's there, and he said, "Oh, I had his old Scotsman, you know." He said. I know some people down at VMI, and that's a good school, and you ought to go to VMI, you know? And I go home, and my father said, well, you know, okay, yeah, that's all right. And I'm thinking, I don't want to go to damn military school. <laughs> so I said, I, I don't want to go to VMI. That's a military school, and I'm not, I don't want to be a soldier or anything. So I go back down, and uh, old Miss Rooney's here. He said, well, my brother is up at St. Bonnie's. Dan Rooney, he's the athletic director. Father Silas Rooney, he's the athletic director at St. Bonnie's. He said, that's a nice little school. You ought to go to St. Bonnie's, you know? I said, yeah, that'd be fine. Anything's better than VMI. (laughs) (laughs) So I go to St. Bonnie's. I didn't know where it was. I didn't know anything about it. I went up there, and that was all there was to it. It's a nice little school, nice campus and everything, and I I thought it was great. Who was the toughest guy for you to cover as a receiver, oh man, I, I I could never single one out. You know, there were you know you Bobby Boyd, those guys had a lot of speed. And they were big, tall guys could catch the ball and they could run like hell. And the guy from the the Bears, I can't think of his name, was really good. I can't remember their names. And and in Philadelphia had Pete Pihos and and they had Bobby Walston. They were all good receivers. And Bones Taylor was from the Washington Redskins, big, tall, trim guy could run like hell. Who would be the best one? I don't know, but boy, they they were all really they were good football players, yeah. And to pick out one, I I couldn't pick out one and say he was the very best, you know. No way. A lot of the times we interviewed former players, and they said that best player of all time, most of them agree on was Jim Brown. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah, yeah, he was great. I mean, I never cared for the guy from just what I heard about him and read about him and things as a you know. But as far as a football player, he was big, he's strong, he was fast, he was he was powerful guy, you know. I mean, you attack him, man, you had a job. Yes. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He was he was he was really, he was a great football player, yeah. Now, 
with the Steelers, when you joined them, I think they had Jim Finks and Ted Marchabrota at quarterback. A lot of people yes. know Marchabrota uh-huh. as a coach and Finks being a very good general manager in the NFL. Did they exhibit any of those qualities as players that you would say, you know, down the line these guys would be something? Well, I have to have to be biased because Ted Marchabrota, we went to school together at St. Barney's. <laughs> I was ahead of him. I was ahead of him a year or two years. I'm not quite sure. Maybe two, maybe. So when he, maybe only one year. I'm not sure. But when I come down to Pittsburgh, then he come like the following year or something. They drafted him, and he come down from St. Bonnie's, and we were friends for you know all through college and everything, you know. And Jim Finks was a good quarterback. Jim Finks was a smart. So was Ted. I'm not saying he was smarter than Ted or anything, but <clears throat> Jim Finks was smart. He handled people. He had a great personality. He could get people to do things. But he didn't have a, a, a real rifle of an arm, you know. His passes were more of a floater. He was he had good accuracy, but he didn't have a lot of fire on the ball. Ted Marsh wrote it didn't either, you know. Like some of those guys could really, I mean, uh, they could throw the ball. It was too hard, some of them, you know what I mean. But uh, they were they were good, 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 solid quarterbacks. The best quarterback the Steelers had, they didn't keep Len Dawson. Yeah, Johnny Unitas. For Johnny Unitas, you're right. They also had Jack Kemp and Earl Morrill. But John Unitas was, he's from Pittsburgh too here, you know, and he, he never got, uh, he never really got a shot at it. He went to the University of Louisville, you know. I remember driving back to camp and the, the coach said we can bring our cars back because we are going to break camp. It was towards the end of training period, you know. Getting down to the final cuts, and we're driving back, and John says, "I think they're going to cut me." You know, I said, "No, I don't think so, John." They never, they never gave you a look yet. They never put you in any games, and he could throw the hell out of the ball. He'd say after practice, and I used to stay out and run pass patterns, and just for the heck of it, and you know, and he could throw the heck out of the ball. And I said, "No, John, they never gave you a shot yet. No, they're going to cut you yet." We go all the way back from Pittsburgh. We had played a preseason game here. We were going to break camp that following week. And we get back there, and we're walking over to the Cha Hall. And as we're walking over, here comes the coach. Well, Keesling was the head coach then. And he calls John over and cuts him right down in there. And he could have done that in, in Pittsburgh, you know what I mean? Instead of going all the way back, then he had to take a bus all the way back to Pittsburgh. And, but he, he goes on to Baltimore and turned out to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Steelers would have been if they hadn't cut John Unitas and given him the chance. Oh yeah, absolutely. They never had a shot. Never got in a preseason game, and even in practice, he didn't do much. I used to stay after practice and just run pass patterns. And I'm a defensive back. He'd throw the ball. He'd stay out there for hours if he wanted to. And, you know, just get some time and keep. You know, they didn't do anything, and they finally just cut him. And Baltimore picked him up, and wow, that was it. What did the Rooney say about that after all those years? Did they ever comment on it? Uh, I don't know. I never heard anything, you know. I'm sure they had to think a lot about it, you know. How could you not think about it, you know what I mean? How did you get involved with uh, scouting with Bledsoe? I went to uh, to Buffalo in 1960 as a coach, and I'm still on crutches, you know. So I couldn't do the job, and I go to the owner and tell him, hey, 
you know, you're paying me. I, I can't do the job. I'm on crutches. And the doctors say I'm going to be on these for a long time yet and all that stuff. And I say, how the hell am I gonna, how can I coach? You know what I mean? To be on the field, there's no way. So I come back to Pittsburgh and I got into personnel. They formed a group, uh, three teams. With Detroit, Pittsburgh, and Philadelphia. It was called Lesto, and they broke the country into areas. Each team put in two guys, so over six guys, and they broke the country into like six areas. And you covered all the schools in the area and made reports, and the reports went to all the teams. And then they made me in charge of it. And then uh, I got Miami, Chicago, Baltimore to join. We end up calling Blesto. Then we got the Vikings to join. We made a V behind a Blesto V for the Vikings. And that's how it come all come about. You, know. you must have done something, right? You, they let you stay there 46 years, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I, I really enjoyed it, too. It was, it was a fun. It was a fun job. Who was your biggest find as a player? I never really found a player like, you know what I mean? I happened to be in charge of it all, and the guys were out in the field, and they had areas, and they went, and, and my only thing, I'd go and go with a guy for maybe two or three days. I'd go visit each one of them during the spring and the fall and see how they went and how they even met the coaches and how they handled themselves. And then all the reports, I got all the reports back and read all the reports and all that stuff, But and we went computerized everything, and... But I never really went out and scouted guys and wrote guys up and did that, no. So I really didn't find anybody. <laughs> Are you sort of amazed what the NFL Combine has become? Oh, yeah. In fact, we started that. that. Yeah, we started that. We brought them out. The teams are bringing them in to give them a physical. You know, each team. So Pittsburgh would bring these guys from the West Coast in. Give them a physical, and they'd go home, and maybe Detroit to bring them in for a physical. Certain guys that they wanted, and give a physical to that are interested in, or whatever you know. They were doing all that stuff, and thinking that's kind of stupid. You know, why don't we bring them in in one place and have everybody, because all the teams come join it, rather than do that stuff individually. So the ones out to Indianapolis and use their dome out there, and the each team would come with their own doctors, and, and, and they examined everyone they wanted to examine, and they worked them out, and everything went, went great. What year did it start, Rob? Oh, I don't, I don't remember the year. It had to be, I'd say it had to be about 1963 or four or something like that. What do you think of those Wonderlick tests? Are you a proponent of that? <laughs> we gave them. I didn't like it personally, but you know, I don't know. That doesn't mean the guy can't play football. Whether, you know, maybe he's not a, a Phi Beta Kappa guy or something, but I, I don't know. I just wasn't a big, I wasn't a big supporter of it. We had to do it, but no, I, I don't know. Yeah, coaches and personnel people like to talk about the intangibles, and, and guy just may not be the greatest athlete, but he's a football player. Do you, is that pretty much the philosophy you uh, subscribe to? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I would think. You know, a lot of it's a natural and instincts and things. You play the game, and and you have to have a, you you have to like to play the game, want to play the game. You know, and those intrinsic things are important. Some guys have a lot of talent, and you look at them, you work them out, you bring them into Annapolis, and they're in their shorts, and they're built great, and they can run like hell. They can do everything, 
but they can't play football very well. You know, they look great and everything, and they look good, but they're not football players, though. And some guy looks the opposite. You say, holy man, the guy's a good football player. They'll look, you know, he may be, I don't know, he may be stumpy legs, he may be a little overweight, I don't know, but you think, well, man, man he, he can't be, and he find out he's a better football player than other guys. What a great guy, this Jack Butler. I didn't know who he was before he got nominated to the Hall of Fame or inducted, but what a class act. A long time coming. It's uh, amazing that a guy who played in the 50s, who wasn't what I think of as a star player, a, a marquee name, ends up in the Hall of Fame. I guess it helps to have a Rooney connection. Exactly. I'm getting close to 75 NFL Hall of Famers being interviewed. And you've been part most of them. Impressive numbers. We want to thank our guest today, Chick. Speaking of impressive figures, we want to thank the lovely April Rose and Jack Butler, whose figure still isn't too bad for a guy (laughs) in his 80s, and our soundman extraordinaire who has worked on his figure the past year, Dave Olson. Where are we broadcasting from again? From TalkZone.com. Thanks for listening and tune in again next week.